Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Carissa Mom Podcast with the HR Twins. We're so glad that you could join us today. And so excited for this episode. So stay tuned. Welcome to the Career Salon Podcast with the HR Twins, and we are very excited once again. (laughs) For the millionth time. Yes, for the millionth time. We're always excited because this is what we love to do, and we have a special guest on our show today. We have known this person for, yikes, like over 20 years. That's amazing. She's like our big sister, our mentor. She's actually a celebrity, and right. we're just honored to be in her presence. Exactly. <laughs> we are welcoming into the career salon, Ebony Funderburg. Applause. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Awesome to I'm be gonna here. I'm going to tell everybody a little bit about you, Ebony, and then you okay. can kind of fill everyone in on all your accomplishments. I can't read all this stuff because this is so much, okay? <laughs> So Ebony Funderburg is a 22-year gospel industry veteran. Um, she was a mass media arts graduate of Hampton University, HBCU in the house. <laughs> she got her start in gospel radio promotions in 1999 at Verity Records. And in 2008, she went into her own business Um, to own her independent promotions company, which she's been doing since then, EFG Promotions and Consulting, specializing in supplemental gospel radio promotions for major labels and indies. We love our indies. Um, They're doing so much these days. We like to welcome to the show, Ebony Funderburg. Yay! Yay. So excited. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) I know I skipped over like, a majority of your bio. So we definitely want you to tell our audience like all that you've done because you've done so much. So just kind of sum it up for us. Oh my gosh. Ebony, like who have you worked with? Oh. And what types <laughs> of things you do at EFG? So people Well, know I probably needed to write down who all I've worked with. Um <laughs> because there's been so many just some current artists that I've worked with, CC Winans, Smokey Norfolk, um, Ja'Kalen Carr, B.B. Winans. Um, who else? Oh, gosh. Uh, so a, a lot of new artists. Byron Cage. Yeah, it's a lot of people. This is who I'm working with currently. I know I'm missing some folks. Nashville Life, Darius Polk, and some, of course, some great indie artists, new and emerging, that I've worked with. And then, of course, over the decades, I mean, it's just, it's been some of everybody I've had my hands you know, in a, in a part of their careers and branding. So when you say a part of their careers, what exactly are you doing in your role? Well, as a person who does radio promotions, a little bit of marketing and um, um, artist branding, I am working very closely with radio and broadcast media. 
Um, I do some television. Um, of course, now that we have the digital space, you'll see a lot of what I do uh, skews into the digital world as well with podcasts, with online interviews that you'll see. Uh, you know, we're now in COVID-19. So yeah. a lot of my stations have morphed into doing interviews on Instagram Live or Facebook Live. You will see shows pop up like what they do in New York City, which I was just getting ready to say with DJ Envy and uh, The Breakfast Club. Mm-hmm. That is an actual radio show. Right. And then they do, you know, longer interviews on their YouTube page digitally, which creates this podcast look. And we're seeing a lot more of our radio stations doing that. So I'm the one that's really coming in. I'm working a record, a single to the radio stations. I'm uh, partnering up with them to create promotions. We do promotional tours. So I'm going out on the road with the artist and taking them to press radio TV, you know, concerts, whatever we're doing out on the road to brand that artist in the marketplace. And then you're working on creative ways to further brand while they're not on the road as well in the marketplace and create some buzz around a project or music that they are dropping. Okay. So when you when you were at Hampton University, did you think that you would be where you are today? No, actually, when I was at Hampton, I wanted to be, I wanted to go into film, was actually accepted into the department and they phased it out the year that I got accepted, but I wanted to be a sitcom writer. Oh, Um, that was my love. I see that. Still my love, me and my corny humor, dry sense of humor. I think I could be a fabulous sitcom writer uh, still today. And, but I ended up going into the mass media arts department, which um, housed um, broadcast journalism, which is what I ended up doing. And it, I worked at the radio station, WHOV. That was my first experience working at radio and doing the gospel show and the news for WHOV. And, and from there, you know, it just so happened. So many of my friends didn't get to really move into their careers right after college, but probably after about three years, I went right into doing print with Gospel Today magazine and then was um, hired on at Verity Records, which was my first record label experience. Um, after I had made some connections from the press side. And here we are today. I've been doing it since 1998. Okay. So wow. you've been doing this for so long, Ebony. How have you seen the gospel music industry or music industry overall morph from when you started to now? I mean, everything's kind of changing. People are diverting from bigger labels to being independent. What are the changes, the major changes that you've seen over time? Well, I will say, you know, we always reflect back to what we call gospel's good old days. Honestly, those days, 98, 99, 2000, 2004. I mean, it was like our heyday, really. It's morphed. (laughs) It's still morphing. We are waiting to see what the end is going to be. But I will say that, you know, there have been some pluses and some minuses. I think the indie front is the biggest plus. Back in the day, um, for a major record label to reach out and sign an artist was a big deal. But we also housed all of the label services. So we did A&R. We did artist development. We did 
you know, you, you had your A&R that was going in and sitting with the artist, creating the records. Mm-hmm. Um, you had press and marketing, marketing, you were creating these elaborate CD covers and, you know, putting the whole vision together. You know, there was a uh, press who was in touch with a good day America and that there weren't as many people out there that had those kinds of connections back in the day. So you really did have to go to a label who housed the experts in those fields to really progress you forward. Today, which I call the day of the indie, independent artists don't really need record labels as much as they did back in the day. They actually have access to the same experts that a lot of the labels are hiring in for their artists. They have access to those same people, those same consultants. So now you can take an artist like a Jacqueline Carr, who was one of my artists, and I provide for her the same service I would provide for a label like a Motown Gospel, uh, RCAI, Ty Scott, or a Malico, or whoever is you know hiring me for at that time. I can provide that particular artist with the same level and quality of service that I'm giving to a major. I think the biggest difference in that, though, is independent artists really have to be prepared to fund themselves, and that's. Um, what labels normally do is they're helping to fund a project. They have morphed now in this digital age to more partnerships with artists where the label provides some funds, but you still need to put some money. You still need to invest in your craft. So I do think it is the age of the indie, especially if the artist is good. Um, but it also is the age of noise because people's attention spans are so short and you're always having to create new content. You're always having to put yourself out and get out on the road and really promote your records um, and be very hands-on with the people. And I think some back in the day, we were hands-on, but not as hands-on as you have to be today. So, I mean, there's some great things I think that have come across, come up, you know, out of the years going. And then I think there are some losses. I think we've lost um, some really quality people who not only know the business, but know the history of gospel music and understand the platform and want and understand their responsibility in protecting that platform. I think we've lost that. And that makes a difference as well when you're talking about gospel music. So since you are promoting songs and you're working with radio to get artists songs on the radio, what is your opinion? What makes a good song? What makes a good song? (laughs) (laughs) You kind of like, I mean, what do you think people are looking for in gospel music? To are they looking to feel good? Are they looking for a good beat? Are they looking for, you know, a standard way of writing? I think songs are a stew of different qualities. A well-written song, a song that has a verse, a hook, (laughs) a, a vamp. You know, a song that, but I think the songs that really hit home are the ones that speak to where people are in that particular season. For instance, some of the biggest songs that we've had in gospel really centered around events, major events that were happening. I can go all the way back to We Fall Down, Donnie McClurkin, Verity Records when I was there. That was one of um, our biggest songs. It really put him on the map. We Fall Down happened. I think there was a big scandal with Jesse Jackson. At that time, and that became like a theme song <laughs> for that. 
we can push forward to the market crash in 2008 mm-hmm. or a little actually it was sooner than 2008. But you had an artist like Smokey Norfolk who did I Need You Now when right. people were um, we were going to war. I'm sorry. Smokey was around the war. So I'm not sure if 9-11 had happened or something to that effect and people were being shipped over. And I remember hearing that song as used as a bed as people were calling in and talking about, please pray for my son, please pray for my daughter. They're being shipped out. The market crash was never would have made it, Marvin Sapp. And again, we're talking about when you have huge songs like that, that really connect It's because there is something that is happening around the country that really brings that song home and people Mm -hmm. can connect and relate to it. And a lot of people were losing their homes, their jobs, money, you know, didn't know where they were going to go. And when we started seeing a turn in that, never would have made it, really stuck out like a sore thumb because people really, that's how they were feeling. It communicated at the core how the community was feeling at that moment in time. And there have been other songs, um, Nobody Greater, Vashon Mitchell. I mean, there's just been great songs. I think that really, when you look at the big, big songs, they really are happening at a moment where collectively mm-hmm. our community really needs to hear from God. Yeah. And that's where it's birthed out of. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So, you know, kind of piggybacking off that question and your answer, Ebony, do you think that just I remember growing up with gospel, you know, our dad was a, a pastor and just growing up with that good old days gospel music. Do you think that gospel music and its artists have gotten too commercial to try to win to win over the audience at this point? Or do you think that, no, they haven't gotten commercial and they're just transitioning with the times? That's a loaded question. I think when you're looking at um, how music is evolving and over time, we can listen to something like Andre Crouch or um, we could listen to, um, I got a name in my head that just slipped me, but we can listen to some older music that happened back in the day in the, in the seventies and eighties and think, oh, that's really churchy. That's some, that's some church music. But when that music was actually happening, it was considered very progressive and very outside of the box compared to the other music that was there. I do think sometimes we we hit a, a platform and a moment where music that some of the music that comes out is very ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. And that's where we find ourselves 10 years down the road and listen to the song and say, hey, that song will fit in right now. Just go. Oh, that's real church, though. I mean, <laughs> that's not urban, you know. Mm-hmm. But a lot of music, I think you have to look at it and compare it to where we are at the core of it. Mm-hmm. It really is about the intentionality behind it. I do think that gospel our community to some degree um, has fallen into the we're we're building a star or we want to build a brand above we really want to progress the gospel of Jesus. I'm hoping and not everybody's like that. Mm-hmm. Let me just say that not all the music's like that, not the yeah. preponderance of music's like that, but maybe some of the artists that you hear and the songs you hear, you might think, eh, 
they'll, you know, I don't know if Jesus is in this. All right. But I will say this. I do think that there is a changing of the the tide at this mm-hmm. particular moment. I think that what we're going to see birthed out of COVID-19 is going to be extremely impactful on the other side of this because music is birthed out of pain. Music is birthed out of experiences. Music is birthed out of, you know, what's happening around you, what you're seeing and observing. And in our community in particular, we're seeing a lot of, we're going to hear about and see a lot of pain and a lot of grief because of the level of losses that are happening in our community um, and people not having the opportunity to really grieve it. You want to see some celebration because they're going to be people that come on the, out on the other side of this and be like, thank Jesus, I made it Mm -hmm. (laughs) when so many people did not. I'm very interested to see what we're going to hear on the other side of, of this moment, because I do think some of the fluff fluff just isn't going to fly, you know, on the other side, we, it's okay to feel good, but there are going to be people that really are hurting and really need to hear a word from the Lord at this time. And that's understandable. (laughs) Yeah. It's a pretty tough time we're going through. Absolutely. So I have a question. When we're talking about going through things, I know that you switch from reporting and being an employee of a corporation going to your your own business as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. How has that role been? And would you do it all over again if you had the chance? Um, you know, I think that role was very clear for me because when it was time for me to branch out on my own, mm-hmm. it was very, it was made very plain. This is what you're supposed to do. There was yeah. a lot of chaos that was going on around me at that time and in that season. But when I settled in my spirit that, okay, I'm going to do this because I'm hearing it and I know that's what I'm supposed to do. So I'm going to step out on faith and do this. I already had clients before I quit my job. So when I moved into EFG promotions and consulting, my biggest and longest standing client was already waiting in the wings. Uh And for me, that gave me a little more confidence to step out and make this transition, although it was a hard transition. I went into, I was at uh, Verity at that time, Zamba Gospel. They had changed and they've been through several changes, but that morphed into RCAI. But I was at Verity. I was a senior director of promotions. When Mm -hmm. When they recruited me in, they had promised me fast track to VP. Yeah. And so, you know, great salary, It was a good job. It was very stressful, but it was a good job. And I was working for the number one label, gospel label in the country, in the world, really. But the transition in was something that I felt very deeply and very strongly that I was supposed to do. Since then, one of my mantras has been that if I'm going to do this, I'm going to walk in integrity. I work really hard to make sure that my name that precedes me is good. Mm -hmm. Um. You know, I talk about, I shoot from the, I shoot, I'm a straight shooter. So I'm going to tell you if I think it's going to work or if it's not going to (laughs) work. Yeah, you are. (laughs) And I think people have come to respect that about me, you know, that I'm not just going to take their money just because I could Mm -hmm. and can demand a certain level um, of income. But that if I'm going to do something, I want to do it in excellence. And I think that was a reputation that um, I worked very hard on. That was something that I valued very highly in my business, my integrity. So 
as a result of that, my name proceeded. I've never had to advertise, never had to go seek out business. That's wow. a word. And that was one of my next questions. <laughs> yeah. Never. How do you advertise and promote yourself? Mm -mm. I've never had to do that. People reach out to me through word of mouth. Mm -hmm. See, that's, Other people I, that I've worked with. That's definitely something that, you know, we're talking about the gospel music industry and you being in promotions and things like that. But, you know, we're in the career salon. I'm in recruiting. Carla's in HR. And we talk about this all the time how to not burn bridges, how to build your brand internally and externally and let that represent you um, right. so that it doesn't matter. You're saying this in having your own business and being in the industry, but even if you work in corporate America, people can call on you because they've heard of what you can do and the asset and the skill that you can bring to them as a company or as a consultant or things like that. So it transitions. Yeah. I mean, I think if you, you know, there are some businesses that you do have to advertise granted. It just so right, happened yeah. that in my particular field, there are not as many people with my level of expertise. Mm -hmm, There's right. a good number of us definitely. And I can run a role name uh, of some people that I think are fabulous, but it's not a ton of us and there are a ton of artists. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, again, people's reputation precedes them. And mm -hmm. so yeah. if you're yeah. doing things that are questionable or, you know, your mm -hmm. treatment or how you're tr how you enter and end a working relationship is questionable. Those are the kinds of things that get repeated to other people. And trust me, in my my line of business, people call, hey, what you think about Ebony Funderburg? What you wow. know about yeah. Ebony Funderburg? Exactly. Hey, if you want to recommend, I need, a, I'm looking for a promotions person. Who would you recommend? Oh, Ebony Funderburg. She's going to, you know, da, 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 da. Hey, I take the recommendations. But, you know, I think it's really important, especially if you're representing yourself in a field where integrity is expected right. um, that you're going to do things with the, um, in truth, you're going to do things in order and mm -hmm. you're not going to mouth off back. I mean, listen, there have been, uh, have I been in many arguments? Uh, no. One thing I love about my um, position as EFG promotions as a consultant is that I get to pick and choose what I would like to do at yes. this juncture. <laughs> That's a freedom you know? that you have in entrepreneurship. That's Absolutely. Well, And so when I'm listening to music or that kind of thing, I can listen and know if I can work a song. I'll tell people, listen, let me listen to your song because if I'm already working something that sounds like this, it's not going to be fair to you nor yeah. to the other artists I'm working because it's going to, they're going to cancel each other out. So I can't Makes do it. I, I've said no to major artists before because my plate was full. I'm not going to take you on just because you got the coins and this is your name. If my plate is full, I also have to balance my um, career with my family. I got to right. balance my career with my mental health. I've got to balance my career with, with my house. And, and a lot of times that's a challenge as a workaholic. And I think that's why people call me too, because they know I keep working. But, <laughs> but, you know, it is important that not only that you have a great reputation, but that you are maintaining a realistic balance with your work so that right. you're not letting balls drop. And then, of course, that messes with your reputation. Right. And I think an important point that you brought up was saying no. I think a lot of us think that to get to where we want to be in the future, we have to say yes to everything. Right. And 
people need to understand that you can say yes to so many things and you had a previous reputation of being good. And then you said yes to too many things and your your reputation diminished. Because you said yes too many times. I know I've had to do that at work, you know, not being an entrepreneur, but at a corporation where, you know, I had stellar performance and my name was known and I had a reputation that I get things done. And it was at a point where I was traveling. I had all these hundreds of employees that I was serving all at one time. And then they wanted me to do some things in corporate services. And I wanted to do them because I saw myself climbing the corporate ladder. But at some point, I had to say no, because you guys are going to have me out here where things are not going to be done in quality. Right. And I'm going to miss some things. And with my job in HR, dealing with employee paychecks and sensitive information, I can't afford to Mm -hmm. mess up. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think that's a great point. And it comes with maturity that you have to say no sometimes in your career, even Mm -hmm. if you want to make it. You may make it slower, but I mean, you'll get there eventually. But at least your quality of work is not tarnished. And and here's another point. Go ahead. Is that all money is not good money. So, you know, sometimes just seeing the money and you have to think about, too, what level of workload comes along with that. I have when I realized that I'm going to have to say no to some money. I was in a position where I started having panic attacks every time I had to have a marketing call with the, with a certain artist exactly. and I was getting anxiety yes. and I was like, what is going on? And I realized that it was very difficult for me to work in this situation with this artist. And then I had to also evaluate, well, why did I take this job? Because I thought that the money was good and it was going to help my household and my family, but not wow. all money is good money. That is yeah. so true. Not all money is good money. You've got to evaluate if this is not only are you going to enrich enrich them, but are they going to enrich you? And I tell my artists all the time, listen, I'm fighting for us to get certain positions on the chart, not just for you and your ministry, but this is my name attached to it in my yeah, reputation right. as well. Exactly. So I'm fighting for all of us here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But that's that's something that, you know, I would just say I get asked that question on such and such. I'll get a call from some colleagues that are consulting as well. This company wants me to do this. So what do you think about that? And I always say, listen, you need to really think strongly about it because not all money is good. Right. Let's talk about I mean, because you've been in the industry, and you've been, you know, doing this for so long. Of course, that you've had to overcome some challenges. Right. So. No. So what are a couple of the biggest challenges that you've had to overcome in your career? And how do you overcome those challenges with grace? Um, I think the biggest challenge that I've had to overcome, not not recently, but at a point in my career, um, was people seeing the success and not being, not celebrating that with you. And being very ugly and rude Mm -hmm. (laughs) and not knowing that you know what's being said or what's being done. My aunt told me one time, she gave me a piece of advice that I have found extremely helpful as I've moved through my career and as an entrepreneur with EFG Promotions and Consulting. 
you don't let everybody know what you've got. Yeah. Don't let everyone know what you have. And so one of the challenges that I face with dealing with people I know that have have done things that are intentionally to hurt or harm my reputation or my business. Mm -hmm. I pray for them. Number one, number two, I always keep a smile. Number three, I keep that check there because I know where they stand now. Mm -hmm. And then I learn how to be nice and gracious to them, even in the midst of that and keep it moving. Mm -hmm. I don't let them know my business. Mm -hmm. I don't let them know who I'm working. I don't let them know what I do. They, I just show up. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of times for what we do, we want to brag about stuff. We want to, oh yeah, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And, da, 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 da. and then people are hearing that. And instead of really celebrating in their heart for you, they're getting mad because you got something that maybe they were trying to get, or you got a client that maybe they had pitched for. And so intentionally or unintentionally, they start planting seeds to really, um, diminish your role and what you're doing and all that good stuff. So I've had to learn how to, not everybody's got to know what I'm doing. I move silently. How about that? Mm -hmm. Move That's silently and cover your reputation, cover yourself. And, and, you know, when people ask, well, what are you doing? Just make it real general. Oh girl, you know, I'm working child. They killing <laughs> me out here in these streets, honey. Who you got? Oh shoot. I don't even remember everybody. Boy, who do I have? <laughs> Girl, it's so much. I just got to go. <laughs> and you just keep it pushing because you, I, I understand the nature of the beast. And not everybody wants to be mean or envious or jealous, but sometimes folks are. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing. That was the biggest adversity for me, especially moving out in EFG and then having the level of clients that I had working with some of the artists I was working with. Like I said, Smokey Norfolk, Ty Tribbett. Um, you know, CC Winans. I've worked with a lot of people that I feel like they would come back to me if they needed, really needed it and wanted, you know, some work done. Um, but that as well as always leaving on a good note with artists and clients, um, always, um, you know, thanking them for allowing you to work with them and to work their song, you know, and, you know, if they have something else in the past. Even if you didn't like, even if it wasn't the best experience all day, it's okay. Just let them know how much you appreciated that check. God bless. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, we're working with the ministry. And, and then if the next time they roll around, you decide, you know, maybe I don't want that stress. Then you can say no. I think that's important. And then also my last thing I would say is trust your gift and trust your craft. If you have, you are your biggest check. Right. Regardless of what other people say about, you know, what you're doing. I can look at the charts and be disappointed because I don't have a top five single right now. I got a top right. 10, but I don't have a top five right now. And I'm looking at all these other, but trust your craft, trust mm -hmm. what you do. If you see room for improvement, you be the one to push yourself there. Mm -hmm. You know, don't get to a place of contentment or complacent where your client is now saying, are you really working for us? Like, what's happening? You always need to have an answer. You need to show them how you're working. Every, nothing exists unless it's in writing. So everything you're doing, you need to hold that account. Yeah, you absolutely. need to yeah. have it listed out so that every week when you're sending stuff or every other week when you're sending updates and reports, you have a list of everything you've already done. Don't ever let people question what you do. You yeah. have to show your worth and your merit and do it for yourself. 
I'm challenging me to be a better me. I don't want somebody else to challenge me to be a better me. I That's need to good. challenge me yeah. to be a better yeah. me. Ebony is in here That's preaching, so y'all. Well, y'all ass, child. Y'all ass. <laughs> so I know you mentioned balancing your family and being an entrepreneur, slightly being a workaholic, working for your clients. How? What things do you do to take care of your mental health and to create that balance with home and work? Okay, so real talk, mama is still working on creating that balance. What I am so enjoying about COVID-19 is God has a way of sitting your behind down sometimes after he's been saying <laughs> yeah. it over and over and over and over again. Now he's like, well, since you didn't get it when I told you the 150 other times, go to your room and think about what you're doing. And this is where we are. We are stuck in our houses, in our rooms, thinking, wow. This is so, it's so funny because, um, yes, I am a workaholic. I'm going to be honest about that. That's just real talk. My kids yeah. know that. I dream about work. I go to bed thinking about work. I wake up thinking about work. I need to be thinking about Jesus. So that's, <laughs> that's, that's what I'm working on. But I haven't had a vacation in almost 10 years. This is real. And, you know, staycations don't work for me because I'm always on the road. Mm-hmm. Right and traveling and after a while when you're thinking about a vacation you're like well where am i gonna go because i've been to all the cities i like working (laughs) so if i go and i'm not working i don't even know what to do with myself is that even gonna be fun but i do think it's important to find balance as you know even talking about the health of our community high blood pressure, hypertension, diabetes, asthma. A lot of that has to do with our lifestyles and with someone that's a workaholic who just finds time to eat when they can, or I'm too busy to get up and exercise, or I'm too busy and I'm too broke to get that vacation I need. We really do have to stop, take out the time to really uh, work on making time for ourselves personally. I always say that if you're not healthy as a person, nobody around you is going to be healthy. If you're not healthy, your kids aren't healthy. If you're not healthy, your husband's not healthy. So it's important to find ways to carve out time to get that stress release in and get yourself centered so that as a single mom, so that my kids can be centered. Because when I'm a wreck, I take it out on my kids and I don't want that. And then they're a wreck and then they take it out on each other. So <laughs> right. we, we had to find ways to get more healthy. One of the things I had started doing more recently was on Fridays, cutting my weekday short. So fry, work, 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 work. But on Fridays, I'm going to go to a, get a nice dinner. I might go to a movie. I'm going to put my phone on um, Do Not Disturb and I'm going to woo-saw all the way out. That has been great for me. I actually even started going and getting professional massages. No, those are that great. <laughs> yes. Oh I don't even like people touching me like that, but baby, that one little massage I went to, I was like, oh, Lord Jesus, this is great. What, what, what's your hours? But doing things like finding ways to get the stress out um, so that you can get more centered. But I do need a vacation. I need to go. Yes, I was you going do. to go to years Italy. I wanted to go to Italy, but now it's like, child, I'm not going to Italy. <laughs> this COVID-19 done took everything out. Yeah, Jesus that's man. true. But we want to, you, 
you have done something outside of your work with promotions and things like that, we want to talk about Glamazon Mom. Yes. It's a movement. <laughs> so tell our audience about Glamazon Mom. Around 2008, 2009, when I started my own company, I also was going through one of the worst times of my life, and that was separation and divorce. I have two children who are now 12 and 13. And I was raised by my grandparents and a single mom as well. And I saw the struggles that my mother had as a single mom. And I remember yeah. thinking, I never want to go through this as an adult because <laughs> it was not easy. And it was just one of me. So when I was going through my separation and divorce, it was very traumatic for me because I did not want to become a single mom. And I remember one day I was sitting, uh, I had started, Facebook had finally, you know, came in because when I, when we first started, child, it was all about my space once upon a time, but that trend. Right. <laughs> so we were doing Facebook and I remember one day I said, I'm just going to write down everything I did for that day. And I started writing down all this stuff. And I was like, how the devil I get all this stuff done? But I did on mm -hmm. top of work, doing things for my kids, doing things for the house. I went through a series of a week writing this stuff out and people, other women would respond and be like, Ebony, you are a superwoman. How are you doing this? And I'm thinking, well, as a single mom, you don't really have a choice. Half of this nice. stuff would have been um, done by my spouse if I had had a spouse. Yeah. But as a single mom, you have to be a, um, a dad and a mom. Or a single dad, you have to be a mom and a dad mm -hmm. to your kids as much as possible. And you have to work your behinds off to make sure that your kids are provided for. Right. Uh, they have everything that they need. They don't have to go without. And to make sure your lights are on, your electricity is still, your heat's still going. You know, your, your <laughs> that your kids have diapers. <laughs> it was just a lot. Yeah. Glamazon moms came out of that. Glamazon, well, first of all, because I'm extremely tall. And so I would get picked on as being an Amazon. And my response is, no child, I am a Glamazon. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So that's where Glamazon came from. But also um, a way to my heart and my spirit just went out to single moms. I think going through it, watching it as a child, then going through it as a single mom just really brought another level of compassion to women who have to get out here and do this. Um, some mothers work two and three jobs to make ends meet for their children. Their kids are latchkey kids like I was. And they do need assistance. They need help. And one of the things yeah. that I was just really blessed to experience um, the early days of walking as a single mom was people surrounding me, my tribe um, surrounding me and helping me walk through this, helping me transition into single motherhood. I remember some people would call me up and say, hey, Ebs, what are you doing tonight? I'm like, oh, nothing. Well, bring the kids over, drop them off. You go to the movies, mm -hmm. go get your nails done, go mm -hmm. get your toes done. You know, those right. kinds of things, they were small, but for someone who that's all, I, I did not have the energy of the time. Sometimes I dropped the kids off and came back home and went to bed because I was that tired. But to find your tribe, to find that support, to um, be in, in connection with other women, like-minded women or men, I have to throw in men, but all those Glamazon moms. And that really just morphed into a network of people and a community of women who, um, like I said, 
connected together and we've been doing um, some amazing things. I personally have this thing called mommy moments with the glamazon moms that is the black mama's version of how to raise your kids. <laughs> super nanny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the black super nanny. Yeah. And I love talking about that because we get to talk about, you know, get to revisit some of the things that really made us who we are as great, fabulous, successful African-American people. But when you're having conversations with mothers and you're at girl, what's your advice about my child just keeps doing X and they're like, girl, don't you know, just do this such and such and such. Well, let's go ahead and put that information out to the nation because a lot of black mamas need to hear a lot of mothers need to hear this trying to help people find their tribe in their respective areas so that we can raise some solid, healthy, stable kids that go on to to really contribute to our society in in amazing ways. Because that's what our kids are amazing. Yes, they are great. Ebony, she just dropped some knowledge bombs uh, on this podcast <laughs> today. I'm so excited that we had the opportunity to speak with you. We're going to wrap it up, but I want to talk to you or see if you have anything upcoming that you like to promote or your social media handles where people can follow you or just some things. I saw some things that you might have coming up on Facebook with colleagues in the industry, some things that you want to promote, Ebony? Well, well, there are so many things. (laughs) There are so many things that are happening. Well, first, you know, we, you know, we've, um, pretty much shut down the schools prior to the school year being shut down. A lot of parents is so hilarious, you know, doing Facebook lives and stuff. A lot of parents were chiming in that they, what am I supposed to do with my kids? I'm not a teacher. That's what we pay teachers for. I started a group called, and do not laugh, Parents, Kids, and the Rona. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) And we've got some, I mean, we're upwards 100 or so odd parents and growing that are coming in and they're sharing information about, you know, resources and things that parents can do while Mm -hmm. their kids are at home. A lot of parents are at home and still working. Mm -hmm. So to even think about having to walk them through a Zoom call or something like that to teach, to to look at their schoolwork and correct it, that's like, it's not doable and still work. But there's some great advice in there. A lot of parents have been chiming in, like I said, We have some teachers in there, some counselors in there who have been sharing some great resources. Again, it's Parents, Kids, and the Rona on Facebook. I'm also working on, for any music, um, any people that are in the music industry, I'm teaming up with very special people. I can't say who yet, but y'all going to know who they are because it's nice. One of the thing, the other thing that we've been dealing with, um, especially with the music executives, music industry artists, people that work in the industry, is that with the current shutdown, a lot of people are losing money. They're losing income because for artists, their income was road income, doing concerts, their dates, whatever it is. A lot of that is now, of course, stopped. And they're shut in in the house. There are a lot of single people who don't have the luxury of having other people in their home to even give them simply a hug to touch. They're kind of, you know, they're stuck in their homes. We've got a lot of people that are going through depression right now. We have a lot of people that have lost family members. 
that have lost friends and they can't even grieve them well because they, you know, you can't get to a funeral, you can't get to a, a burial, can't get to a memorial. There's a lot of issues, mental health issues that are happening that folks are trying their best to deal with. So we're going to be, there will be an announcement soon about a group that we are creating for people to come in almost like AA Hmm. and to talk about what they're going through with like-minded folks because we're all going through that. And then there is a component to it where we talk it through and hopefully come to a good end on how to deal with those things successfully during this moment. I think it's very, very important. I'm super excited about that because like I said, I'm partnering up with a couple of people that I think are super dope and super amazing. And are and I look forward to seeing a lot of people helped as a result of that. Glamazon Moms is still going. I'm on um, 60 plus stations nationally with Mommy Moments with the Glamazon Mom. Oh, and that's so, great. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully, you know, this is the time where I'm trying to pop off a few other things under that umbrella. A podcast is one. We just haven't haven't crossed the line yet, but it's coming. And I mean, there's so many other things. I've got a couple, you know, I'm always popping up on these discussions. I know there's going to be a um, um, industry town hall that's coming up next week, Tuesday. I'm not sure when this is going to broadcast, but I'm sure it will be up on um, where you can repeat it, where you can watch it after the fact when we're done. But it'll be me and a couple of my colleagues, a few of my colleagues talking about what's happening right now in the industry and how creatively we can still push forward. Yeah. And I'm still working, child. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's a lot, Ebony. Uh, <laughs> but so, yeah. but so we thank you for taking out the time. We know you have work and mommyhood and all those things. So we just thank you for taking the time to come on our little podcast. Oh thank no, you, thank Abby. you for having me. And you didn't charge us <laughs> I either. Love you. So we're, <laughs> we're so grateful. Well, guys, we want to thank you for coming into the Career Salon Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this episode, and we look forward to having you in the Career Salon next time. This is Carla, the HR expert. And this is Camille, the recruiting expert. And we're the HR twins. You just finished an episode of the Career Salon podcast. Be sure to follow us on all social media platforms at the Career Salon. And don't forget to subscribe and follow on all podcast platforms for upcoming episodes.